You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. If you're an English language learner, have a keen interest in language, or you're a teacher, then this podcast is for you. We give tips and advice and discuss topics about learning and teaching. We hope you find it fun and informative that it gives you help and encouragement in your journey with the English language. Hi there, welcome to English with Monty. This is episode six, and today we're going to have a few questions from some students at Monty. So they have either been previous students or current students, and they're going to give an idea of what they find good in a language teacher in terms of positive aspects. And also, they're going to ask Gideon and myself questions. So Gideon has joined me today. So hi, Gideon. How are you doing? Hi, John. Doing fine. Excellent news. Are you ready for the questions? Because they're pretty tough questions. Some of them. I'm ready and willing, raring、okay. to go. Me too. I'm a bit confused about some of them, but maybe you can help out. You're always confused, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm dazed and confused constantly. Yes. yes, it's true. Shall we start off then with Martina? Hi, John. Hi, everyone. I'm Martina, and I'm from Italy. I think that one of the best things that makes a good language teacher is having learned the language himself or herself, because I think that this will help them to understand the difficulties faced when learning a new language. Do you think that there is an universal method of teaching which can be applied to every student, or do you think that the lessons should be personalized? That was an interesting one, wasn't it? She was kind of talking about the idea of knowing a language yourself as an English language teacher. What do you think about that one? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a little bit helpful, but I don't think it's that necessary. I mean, if you have a doctor, the doctor doesn't need to have had your disease in order to be able to cure it. And I think it's the same with an English teacher. It's a bit far-fetched, my example, but I think it's the same with an English teacher. If you're a good teacher and you know how to teach and you know the subject, I think that's fine. Of course, if you know a foreign language, you understand it from their point of view a little bit better. But I don't think it's that important. No. Yeah, I've always found it very useful. I mean, I think it's not vital, is it? As you say, but I think it's very useful in the sense that you can perhaps be a bit more empathetic about how long it takes to learn a language, and also. Maybe it helps a bit in terms of explaining certain grammar points because I think if you can relate the grammar points between languages, in some ways that makes it a little bit clearer for me. Anyway, I wouldn't say it was vital, but yeah, I think it can be good.、Um, I agree with you. I think it it helps a little bit, but I want to say that I have met English teachers who don't speak any foreign languages, really good English teachers.、Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's crucial. A little bit, yeah. What do you think about her commenting on the idea of having a universal method for students? Do you think that is a thing? No, I, I totally disagree. I think each student is different. Each person learns in their own way, at their own rhythm. People like to learn different things. Some people like to study the grammars from books. Other people like to, I don't know, listen to podcasts. We all have our own approach to learning a language, and that's fine. I don't think there's one universal fits-all approach to teaching. No, I would agree with that. I guess you could give some universal principles, can you? In some way, like particularly with the grammar, the grammar doesn't really change, so therefore you can. Approach things in a fairly similar way, but I think yes, every person is different, aren't they? 
and they need an approach specifically for them and I think a good teacher would adapt their lessons in order to do that I think all students in order to improve your language yeah there are certain universal truths you need to read and you need to write and you need to listen and you need to speak a lot but how you approach that and how you do that that differs from student to student mm. I would say we can learn the grammar in different ways yeah but you can approach that differently and I guess some different approaches by different teachers will will help as well won't they maybe with one teacher you're not quite getting it but somebody else gives you a clear way of thinking about it yes Okay, right, shall we move on next to Frédéric from France? Hello, John. Three years ago, I lived in London for one year, and I met many English teachers. And one of my many issues in English is my pronunciation. Two things are difficult. The letters we pronounce are not, and the words with similar sounds, but not the same writing. John, how do you help your students for their pronunciation? And could you give us some advice and exercises? I hope to see you soon for a new great meetup. Frederick was talking about pronunciation advice and exercises. He was saying he finds it quite a challenge for pronunciation. What's your experience of this? I mean, I guess, obviously, Frederick's from France. Do you give any particular exercises to your students being in Paris? Well, if I'm reading between the lines of what Frederick said, it wasn't as much about the spelling as the pronunciation. Oh, yes. I yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. There are two different things, but the spelling is so different from the pronunciation that causes pronunciation problems. Mm. So there's two different things. And spelling, even native speakers, forget about it, even native speakers have lots of problems with spelling, so I wouldn't get hung up too much about it. I know I do. I still make spelling mistakes. Uh, for pronunciation, again, it's good to have pronunciation which is understandable, which is clear, but don't get obsessed with it. Don't try and aim to sound like, I don't know, a native speaker like Boris Johnson or whoever it is. Just try and get clear, understandable pronunciation. Yeah, and there are methods to do that. Hmm. I mean, I always think it's a good idea. And I know it's probably a bit annoying and, and a little bit boring, I guess, but it's always a good idea, I think, to look at the phonetic symbols and try and get an idea of how each phonetic symbol is pronounced. And then when you see it in a dictionary, that gives you a good idea immediately how the word will be pronounced and just kind of get into the habit of doing that. And it is quite challenging and it looks quite difficult when you look at it first of all. But if you you are able to do that, I think it can really help. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think it's a necessity if you're learning English mm -hmm. and you want to have good pronunciation, then you, you do need to know the phonetic script a little bit. No, you don't need to, to reproduce it, but just to recognize the sounds in the dictionary. It really helps. Definitely. And I always talk to my students about Pascal, our friend Pascal, yeah. about the way he does it, because he's a very good guitar player. And often he uses the same kind of methodology, kind of listening and repeating a number of times in order to emulate the same kind of sound. So I think that's another good way of doing things. And then obviously, I guess if you're a musician, often you have quite a good ear for these things anyway, don't you? So I think that's a nice example because his English is, is very good, isn't it? Precise. Yes, it is. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think that learning the language, the grammar and stuff is a totally different thing to learning the phonetics. It's a different skill entirely. And some people, they learn the language to an amazingly high level, but they never quite get 
the accent and that's okay okay and other people it might be the reverse they sound that they speak uh, very well very clearly the pronunciation's excellent but they still make lots of grammar mistakes i think they're two different things but people musicians and our friend is, is, is a musician musicians tend to have a better sort of ear for that type of thing and they're able to reproduce the sounds a little bit better i think but mm. you can do it you don't have to be a musician I think one good exercise you can do, Frederick, you can listen to an audio book and read as well at the same time if you can do that. And then potentially repeat things back yourself and maybe record your voice. That can be quite a good thing to do. And I guess obviously recording your voice at the beginning is quite difficult to listen to for everybody. But, you know, you get used to it. And I think you probably understand a bit better how your pronunciation is if you listen to yourself again and just try and copy those people especially with audiobooks because it's very clear spoken english isn't it yeah i think it's a very good piece of advice i could just say one thing as, as an english teacher one thing i i do do which i find useful is whenever you have a, a new word i don't know such as w-o-m-e-n you should always get them to say the word to repeat the word before you write it down because once it's written, it's kind of fixed in your mind how it's pronounced. And it's difficult to get them out of that. But if you say it's women, you go, oh, women, how do you write it? Oh, no. it's yeah. But if you say it first, before you write it, that helps. And remember that English spelling and pronunciation is different. Focus on the pronunciation, not the writing. Yes, that's a good one, isn't it? Because you often get it with different words like rough, tough, though, things like that, don't yeah. you? So, yeah. I think that's yeah. that's a good piece of advice, definitely. Yeah. So we'll move on to Elena from Spain. Hello, this is Elena from Spain. I guess what makes a good language teacher is empathize with a student in order to gradually make them more and more confident with the language. And here is my question for a language teacher. Which are the biggest challenges you face in your teacher career? <laughs> Thank you, bye. What are your thoughts on two of those aspects, those things that she mentioned? Being empathetic, yeah, mm -hmm. I guess it helps in, in teaching many professions. If you can understand it from their point of view, then that's going to help. At the end of the day, you're an English teacher, not a psychiatrist. So, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, I understand it from that point of view. Sorry, what was the other second part of the The biggest challenges we would face as an English teacher. Biggest challenges? They're always... Uh, challenges but you get through them the only challenge i have is when you get students who are not motivated i mm. think that's the challenge and that's really the, their problem if you as long as a student is is motivated you can find a way and they're going to learn one way or another get them motivated well part of the challenge is, is in fact to motivate i think so yeah i mean i think one of the biggest challenges i often find is trying to get people to feel good about the language and be confident yeah, because um, yeah. I think a lot of people have those doubts, even if they're very good at the language, there are always those, those doubts that seem to linger. But to try and encourage them and say, look, you know, I'm a native speaker. I think you're genuinely good. So my opinion counts because I think people can be a bit too hard on themselves. So I think one of the biggest challenges for me is to make sure that or to help people through the process of feeling more confident and, you know, not worrying so much about the language or not doubting themselves so much i think that's a very good point and it reminds me of in paris where i teach 
I get new students all the time and I always ask them, I say, well, so why are you learning English? I go, well, I've got a problem with my English. Okay. I've got a problem with my English. They always start with the word problem. <laughs> I think that's a bad, bad way to start out. Like, you don't have any problem with your English. You're just learning English or somewhere along the road. You're going to make more progress, but it's, there's no, there's no problem there or confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you'd say, I guess, changing that around a bit and making it a bit more of a positive idea it's like i have a bit of a challenge with my english so yeah something... yeah i need i need to improve for my job for my personal life i need to improve my english that's fine but why why start with a problem putting up walls no that's very true isn't it yeah i think it is better to call it a challenge or an issue or, or yeah. something to improve yeah, yeah definitely you've reached the midpoint of our podcast episode and we thought we'd ask you a quiz question about the english language which letter is the most used letter at the beginning of an english word one more time which letter is the most used letter at the beginning of an english word we'll answer the question at the end of the podcast so stay tuned okay we'll move on to martin hi john hi everyone my name is martin and i am from germany for me, a good English teacher needs a good sense of humor that suits me. I like having fun and making jokes during a conversation. Patience is also very important because I tend to interrupt all the time. Have you had a lesson you would consider the worst lesson ever? If yes, what happened? So he was talking about sense of humor. So he says that's very important. What do you think? For the student or for the teacher? For him personally, <laughs> he finds that very important, that the teacher themselves has a good sense of humor or shares a similar kind of sense of humor. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. But everybody thinks they've got a good sense of humor. I think I've got a good sense of humor. But then I make a, a joke in class and, you know, it goes down like a lead balloon. No one's no one's laughing. No one's laughing. Well, I just said something very funny. Why aren't you laughing at my brilliant joke? <laughs> and so, so everyone thinks they've got a good sense of humor. But, that's very uh, true yeah 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 you don't always connect on that level with uh, your, your student sure but i guess sometimes you do connect right because of yeah. your sense of humor i can understand why it might be important because it if it does help you to make a connection then i think that's obviously a nice thing isn't it you know makes the student themselves i don't know have more fun i guess yeah what about the worst lesson ever I was thinking about this. I didn't really have a worse lesson ever. There, there, there are times when you come out of the class and, you know, you've done a lot of preparation for a class and it just didn't work. And you mm -hmm. feel, you must have, every, every teacher's had that experience. And you feel kind of bad. Goes, no, that was terrible. That's the worst feeling. But I haven't had any other things. Maybe some students doing some strong opinions and not appreciated by the others, but not really. And you? I'm trying to think maybe when I was first teaching kids at kids camps. Yeah, I've had that situation where I really didn't know what I was doing. And I don't know if you've ever had that when you're kind of in front of people and you don't really know what you're doing and you almost burn up inside or, or freeze. I seem to remember that happening. But I guess with kids, you can get away with it. And I definitely had colleagues that were around and about and I kind of went up to them and helped them and I suppose it was because as well maybe with with the discipline element because I didn't have experience of teaching kids at the time so I wasn't sure in some cases you know what to do how to do that and I suppose as you were saying I mean maybe you've had somebody say something controversial I wouldn't say it was the worst 
less than ever. But I remember one student once in a conversation group saying something very controversial yeah. and nobody really knew what to say. And I just kind of tried to make light of it, really. Yeah, I don't really know what you can do in that kind of situation because you can't really judge somebody necessarily, can you? I, I guess you can just give your viewpoint, but not necessarily in a strong way. You're right about about children. I don't I don't teach uh, children. I haven't really often taught children. Do you do you remind me though that when you start your career as uh, teaching English, uh, maybe your level of knowledge is much less. And yeah, mm. I have I did at the beginning of my career have some very uncomfortable situations where I was asked a grammar question. I didn't have any idea what the answer was. Fortunately, that's very rare these days. Or I can handle it if, if it, on the rare occasion it does come up. I can handle it. Goes yeah, try and work it out, or I'll get back to you. It can be, can't it? Yeah, I mean, I remember speaking to Louise in the last podcast about that. And we were saying that you often push it back to the student. Like, for example, we were talking about IELTS. And sometimes you have complex topics like about medicine or something like that. And sometimes there'll be words and you don't know it as native speaker. And often the response is, what do you think about that? And they'll give you your opinion and say, okay, yeah, well, maybe you should go home and look it up and write a sentence and then we'll have a look at it tomorrow yeah, yeah exactly oh so I, i've had people cry in my class really have you what ever did you that? say have you <laughs> well i've had people but more than once and suddenly things are coming back flooding my memory had people fall asleep wow you know, that uh, sometimes i remember sort of business students who've been sent by the company and they're not interested in being there so yeah. they uh, fall asleep but i've had people crying Oh, For bless. two reasons. One, I try and teach them, I don't know, some point of grammar and I'd be drilling them and they find it a bit much. And they go, I can't do it anymore. And they, they start, start crying. Oh I've God. had that. And, but also people crying, uh, somebody started crying when they started speaking in English. I said, why are you crying? What's wrong? He goes, I've never spoken English before and now I'm speaking in English. So that was quite nice. You know, it's quite oh, nice. For the so first they were, time, they were getting sentences out. They actually, they were joining a conversation and then they could finally do it. And they've been trying to do it for years and they haven't managed it. And they, they, they finally, they started crying. So I've had that. So they're crying with joy. So kind of crying with joy. It's sort of an emotional moment. Yeah. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yes. Well, so the moral of the story is don't drill so hard with your grammar points then maybe. i was very gentle honestly john honestly i'm really <laughs> gentle i'm really 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 gentle i didn't realize that even my soft approach was too much for one or two people yeah yeah no fair enough i, I guess it happens doesn't it okay right let's move on to nadia hello all english with monty podcast listeners i'm nadia and i'm from ukraine as for me passion to teaching Patience and supportiveness to students, knowledge and humor are basic and the most important things which make a good language teacher. What do you think you would miss the most if you stopped teaching English? The question, I think, was very interesting. What would you miss the most if you stopped teaching? People, people I think. That, that's all, really. I mean, you can always move on to do other interesting things jobs interesting things but uh it's just you you get a lot of energy from meeting interesting people i think that's very true isn't it i mean you always meet interesting people and it's nice to hear people's stories isn't it and yeah especially when they kind of have an interesting background or an interesting job or something like that i think the other element that i would miss is the idea of 
the satisfaction of somebody getting a job because of their English or passing an exam because of their English. I think I would very much miss that element because, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that's kind that's of, true. it's real accomplishment. It feels, you feel good for that person and and that's nice to help them progress in their lives, isn't it? It's, it's true that you feel that you've made a difference in somebody's life, positive difference. Mm-hmm. And then that's, yeah, that's very rewarding. Yeah. That's true. It is the people, really. I agree with you on that one. I think definitely you, you get some fantastic people. Mm-hmm. All of the people that have asked questions today are fantastic. Yeah. Okay. The last one is Kemal from Turkey. Hi, John. Kemal from Turkey. There are lots of characteristics about the ideal language teacher. That is, I experienced from the meetup organization in London. Ideal language teacher for me. Good teachers should select the topic about the current event or daily crisis. And also, language teachers should be unbiased. For example, everybody has a different kind of thought or idea and everybody should share their idea. What's your idea or what do you think without enrolling or registering to language course? It is possible to learn Spanish language at home by myself if I buy some language application online or if I'm following the YouTube channels. It is possible to learn Spanish language at home. He's come up with a few points there. And also he was asking the question about learning Spanish at home. Yeah, I must <laughs> I must be I was a bit confused by the last question. Why is he asking two English teachers how to learn Spanish? <laughs> uh, well, I guess it was because <laughs> I was saying about language teachers in general, I guess. But I suppose in a way it's kind of related, isn't it? Even though it's a different language. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, well, why is he asking Spanish, though? I mean, why, did he ask, why, why is he asking us, though? Because he wants to learn Spanish. Go for it. Tell him go for it. <laughs> but there, there must be similar kind of applications or, or things that you would use to do with English, right? There, could, there must be parallels. There must be. But ask a Spanish teacher. <laughs> Have you ever used Babel or something like that? Have you used that application? I- I've played around with it a little bit. Yeah, there, it's all good thing, you know. The same before, everyone is different how they learn language. But yeah, if it works, it's, it's great, yeah. Yeah, I would say it's probably true, though, like the, the same kind of ideas of learning things at home for English would, would be the same for any language, really. So I suppose, yes, using interesting applications like Babel or, or using something similar to Let Them Talk TV, kind of the Spanish version of Let Them Talk TV on YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah, coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> I think that's quite a good thing to do. Maybe also audiobooks as well. They're typical things that we've already <laughs> spoken about, aren't they? But yeah. I think... Yeah, or maybe give yourself little targets a day. So if you have a busy day, maybe give yourself five minutes of of learning something, like just a few words. And then if it's not a bad day, then 30 minutes. And then if it's a good day, maybe spend an hour. I totally agree with you there. Yes. Learn every day, half an hour if you can, two hours if you've got the time. And Mm -hmm. Stay motivated. Find things that you you really like doing, and stay motivated. And yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make progress. But get a Spanish teacher. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> Ask your Spanish teacher about learning Spanish, though. <laughs> and then also as well, I think it's a good idea if you make a note, maybe in a book, of what you've been learning each week or each day, even, and then kind of cross it off when you've done it, and kind of give yourself achievable goals. I think that's a good way of motivating yourself. I think so. I mean. 
Well, when I'm trying to learn a, a language, I try to, to learn about sort of 10 words a day and a little bit of grammar and one or two expressions. And if I manage that each day, then, yeah, I'm kind of happy. If I can have a little conversation as well and listen a bit to the language you're learning, even even something on, on, on YouTube or whatever. If you read a bit as well, reading people, I think, neglect reading. That's my opinion. People think, oh, no, you don't need to read. Read's not important. But I think it is. I think it's always important to read a little bit as well and to yeah. write. Yeah, and I think with reading, my recommendation is normally maybe read a book that you've already read in your own language. Yeah. Yeah. That So you know the story, but also you like the style of the author because I think for some reason when you switch to another language, you don't always think about the style of the author and you start reading something, you're like, oh, I can't understand this. And it can just be because of the style. You're not really comfortable with the style or it doesn't really suit you in some way so if you do know the style already i think that helps yeah i i, I think that's good advice yeah you already know you already yeah. know that's a good way to start yeah and that you already like and he was talking about current topics and being kind of unbiased in your viewpoints what do you think about those ideas i don't know i, mean, I don't work for the un i'm not in the diplomatic service <laughs> still got my opinion i, I try not to put my opinions forward too much but you know i can't be completely impartial i've still got, I've still got a, a opinions and talking about current affairs well a, li a little bit but you have to be careful if you're doing it with a one-to-one -one, it's different if it's a private class then certainly you I, I love talking about politics and economics and that type of thing and a one-to-one -one class that's fine but if you're in a group the problem is that i might be interested in you might be interested but not everyone will be I've had that experience that people have just turned off who are talking about uh, you know current affairs so you have to be yeah. careful yeah and i guess you if, if you it's are, a current affairs lesson specifically for that reason then yes go ahead yeah sure but i think you have to gauge the responses by people don't you how involved they are getting in the conversation and move on if you feel as if people are not or, or there's a few people that are not really engaging because then they're not having the speaking time are they and, yeah uh, you know if they find it boring then it doesn't necessarily help their encouragement with english does it yeah exactly and uh, from the other end of the spectrum you can't just talk about the weather all day or watch cat videos uh, you, you know you, you have to find you have to find something which is people find uh, a, a subject that people find engaging yeah and interesting and maybe a little bit controversial because controversy is good. Contra a little bit of conflict is good in a class, but not too much and something that, that everybody's interested in. Mm. Yeah, not very much too so. bland. There's no conversation, please. No, we can't talk about this. No, but... I guess just maybe ask open questions rather than closed questions to try yeah. and get more of a response from people. So perhaps not give your opinion at the beginning, but just ask open questions and see what people feel first. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, we'll finish things off now. I think those were, were all very interesting questions and nice points. So thanks very much for everybody giving your contribution. I really appreciate that. And that's it for now. So thanks very much for listening. And I'll join you soon, I think, Gideon, perhaps in a couple of weeks' time. So I hope so. Always yeah, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Tune in next time to English with Monty. Bye-bye.
Remember our quiz question from earlier on about which is the most used letter at the beginning of a word in the English language? So the answer is the letter S. So that's S for sugar. More English words begin with the letter S than with any other letter. So next time, take a look. See you soon.